long ago in 1517, Martin Luther uh, nailed his famous 95 theses on the church door there at Wittenberg in Germany and ignited uh, probably the greatest revival of biblical apostolic Christianity in the entire history of the church since the days of the apostles. And Luther's evangelical breakthrough, however, would not take place uh, until later from his study of the Bible, from his study of Romans and Galatians and the Psalms and looking at scripture. And there were several key passages of the Bible that were important to him that he came to see as he was reading scripture because even when they sent him away from the monastery to become a doctor of scripture, he still did not really have any sense of assurance that he even was a Christian. Uh, he had no sense that he was really right with God, and he was very fearful uh, of being condemned and sent to hell. And historically, I think that we would need to look at that. Not that Luther was neurotic or that he was insane. People have said that, you know, he was just nuts. The guy was crazy. He really wasn't. He was not crazy. He was under the conviction of the Holy Spirit of God. In John chapter 16, verses 8 through 11, Jesus taught that one of the great works of the Holy Spirit is to convict the world of sin. And if the Holy Spirit doesn't do that, then certainly, yeah, people, people will be fine with, you know, various religious rites and various religious practices, and they'll feel fine about that, and they'll think they're going to heaven and uh, won't realize the fact that they're under the just condemnation of the holy God. But Luther, uh, because he uh, was under the conviction of the Holy Spirit, uh, the false gospel of Roman Catholicism uh, was not going to give him a sense of peace with God. But as he started reading Romans and Galatians and the Psalms and really the whole Bible and really immersed himself in scripture, what he saw was the law was never intended to be the means by which sinners are justified before God. It can't be because we're too sinful. And he recognized uh, Romans 1, 16 and 17 uh, were key verses, not just um, standing by themselves, but they really introduced the theme of the whole book of Romans. Uh, Paul wrote there, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek, for in it, that is in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. So Luther saw that the righteousness of God, the way that phrase is used throughout the rest of Romans, is it's a reference to the gift of righteousness that God imputes or credits legally into the account of the sinner before God who repents of their sins and owns their sin, grieves over, hates their sins, recognizes that they are a sinner and recognizes that they need Christ to save them. And then that person stops trying to work for salvation, stops trying to do things to please God, and simply rests upon the finished work of Christ, rests upon the righteousness of God that is given to him as a gift in the gospel. Now, one of the problems that we have today uh, when we go out and, and share the gospel with people and witness to people, uh, so many people really, really do not see their need for a savior. They just don't think they need to be redeemed from anything because they don't think that they're really all that bad. 
there was a, a book um, that I have. It's a real short book. It's just a collection of short essays by a, a female uh, author named Andre Sue. Um, and that's spelled A-N-D-R-E-E, Andre Sue is spelled S-E-U. And it's a little collection of essays called Won't Let You Go Unless You Bless Me. And there's a, a paragraph that uh, she wrote, which is one of the best paragraphs I've read in, in, in a few years. She writes the way I wish I could write. <laughs> so when someone says something this well, you just you read it and let them say it for you. But this illustrates the depth of human sinfulness in a way that few other things I've read in recent years has demonstrated. So I want to read it to you and just make some comments. Here's, here's what Andre Sue wrote. Quote, These are the thoughts of a woman driving home from the stop and shop on an ordinary day. She conjures three comebacks she could have hurled at Ellen had she not been caught off guard. She spots the baby shower invitation on the dashboard and hatches excuses to be busy that weekend, then thinks better of it because she has a favor to ask the sender at a later date. She sizes up a woman standing at the bus stop and judges her. She stews over a comment her brother made behind her back and crafts a letter telling him off and sounding righteous in the process. She reviews the morning's argument with her husband and builds her case against him for the evening installment. She imagines how life would have been if she had married X. She magnanimously let a car merge into traffic, then is miffed when she doesn't get her wave. Somebody rides up the road shoulder and budges to the head of a traffic jam, and she hates the driver with a perfect hatred. She passes the house of the contractor who defrauded her and fantasizes blowing it to smithereens. She passes Audrey working in her garden and waves, but thinks, if Audrey has chronic fatigue syndrome, I'm a flying Walenda. She glares at a driver who runs a red light, forgetting she did the same thing a mile ago. She mentally touches up her upcoming woman's Bible study lecture on Ephesians and considers how she can improve it and make it better than Alice's talk of last week. She's angry at God because here she is, a Christian, and broke, while her good-for-nothing heathen of a brother is rolling in dough. She wonders how her parents will divvy up the inheritance and how long she has to wait. She rehearses reasons why her sister, and not she, should take care of the folks when they're old. She thinks about her childhood and counts the ways her parents have screwed up her life. An SUV cuts her off, and she decides to punish it by tailgating. Her heart smites her for this, so she thinks about trying to live righteously from now on. Maybe if she's good, she thinks God will reward her in some amazing way, like making her husband divorce her and then leading her to Mr. Right. She tries to pray, but doesn't get past our father. She pulls into her driveway. Total driving time, 17 minutes. And if you were to ask the lady as she rustles parcels from the car what she's been thinking about on the drive from town, she would say, Oh, nothing in particular. And she would not be lying. Imagine believing that we don't need a savior. The fact is, I committed enough sin in my mind in the five-minute drive, 1.7 miles from my house to this church building this morning to land me in hell forever. Imagine believing we don't actually need a savior. But you see, when... God draws near to someone and makes them born again. 
and makes them to see what they really are in his holy eyes, that's when the gospel will at last begin to make sense. That's when the gospel will have fertile soil in which to grow in a person's heart. Do you have the gift of righteousness that Jesus Christ procured by his life of perfect keeping of the law? Or do you even think you need that righteousness? When, you, when I read Romans 1.17, in, in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. Do you think you even need that righteousness? It's only when God opens our eyes to see what we really are before him as the holy, holy, holy God that we will see our need for that gift of righteousness. Paul wrote in Romans 5.1, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you see your need to be justified before God? Because there is a day of judgment. One of the clearest teachings of Scripture and of human conscience is that there is a God who sees all and is going to judge us. How do you think that's going to go on the day of judgment? Do you really understand what you're up against? Do you understand what it is to sin, to fail to be perfect before the holy God? God sent his son into the world precisely because we can't achieve the righteousness by which we can enter heaven. And that's what Martin Luther finally saw. That what God demands from us in the law, which we could never do, he freely gives to us as a gift in the gospel of his free grace. We're justified by faith alone, by believing in Jesus and trusting in his finished work in our behalf alone, completely apart from our works, because the only righteousness that has the merit necessary to meet the requirement of the holiness of God is that righteousness that was achieved and performed by Jesus Christ and by Jesus Christ alone. That's what we're talking about when we say that we're justified by faith alone. Justification by faith alone is shorthand for justification getting into heaven by the righteousness of Christ alone. Thank you for watching or for listening.